0: Hi, and welcome back to part two of our discussion of the Murex trunculus as being the Gilazon. Before we start, we just want to make a couple of corrections on some of the things we said in part one. First of all, Avi mentioned that there was no glass available to the ancients. This is not true, obviously. What he meant to say was they did not use glass in the dyeing industries of the Murex. When they did excavations of the sites, all they found were pottery, shards, which is what they used to hold the dye, not
1: glass. And as we said earlier in episode one, uh, pottery shards, uh, pottery vats obviously do not let in sunlight. Uh, Without modern chemicals, there is no way to reduce the dye without covering it completely. A covered pottery vessel obviously cannot allow in sunlight, therefore eliminating the possibility of the creation of the blue that the modern institutes use to create their dyes.
0: Uh, The second correction is... I read when I was reading the decrees of the ancient Roman emperors, I read about the emperor uh, Diocletian or Diocletianus, and I said that he had forbid the use of the murex produced dyes. Uh, this is not true. He did not uh, forbid the use of it. He just uh, nationalized the industry. In other words, he said that the government would get all the money coming from these industries. Um, the reason I said what I said was I got it from the Safer Uh The quote that I read was, two centuries later, the Roman emperor Decletian again forbade its use. Um, however, when we looked up the actual source, this was not the case. Uh, this was shown to me by my friend Ephraim Wider, uh excuse me, Ephraim
1: Ma'il, um, and I thank him for that. Now for a couple more sources that supports our earlier contention. So, over this past uh, couple days since we released the, the episode, we have gotten a lot of feedback from people involved, you know, supporters of the Murek's Trunk List as the Chilazan, Um, and particularly from people who have more of an academic background and have been studying this for a long, long time. Uh, one of the uh, complaints we heard about our podcast, or one of the points we made in our podcast, is that we claimed that the Ramban didn't have treles. And obviously when he said nobody wears treles in his day, He obviously wasn't referencing the chilazon-produced treles that we use for tzitzis, or else he would obviously be able to identify the chilazon and the mitzvah would not be lost from us. I just want to add a source that suggests it even further. The Ramban in Melchamas HaShem in Mesech Shabbos writes explicitly that we don't have the treles. He doesn't write we have the fish, it's just in the Roman government's hand, and most of us are not able to wear it. He says, nowadays, we don't have the trellis. He uses the exact same lotion, the exact same language and phraseology of all the other commentators who comment that we do not have the trellis. This further supports our contention that the Ramban, when he mentioned nobody wears trellis nowadays, was referencing the color blue and obviously not the color b- blue that is produced from the chilazon. This in contrast with the Murex, which was in high production at the time, Late, led us as one of our complaints that obviously the Murex is not the Chilazon.
0: Right, and on that topic I found another source which said that the Jews were in the Purple dye Industries from the 6th century. Right, This is from the paper called the Byzantine Silk Industry Lopez and Beyond by Anna Muthisius something like that. Um, either way, so this shows that the Jews were involved in the Murex from the 500s and on. While we have sources saying from that time, that they had no idea where the Khilazon was. So if they didn't know where the Khilazon was, and they were dying with the Murex, the Murex could not have been the Khilazon. Also, we said that the Tanchuma was the earliest source, uh, and the Medrash Rabbah, which um, were put out around the year 700. That doesn't mean that the Medrash itself was from then. It's a compilation of Idrashim from the past 500 years, but we actually found another source from the Seder Olam Rabbah, which was written in the 2nd century, also saying that the Chilazin was lost. So this pushes back the date a few hundred more years that the Chilazin was
1: lost. Now, as to the topic of was the Chilazin lost that early because it seems like from those sources it was, but maybe there are some Gemaras that seem to suggest they're still dealing with Tcheles. We're not going to deal with that now. Suffice it to say, there could be a difference with having the dye available or having the fish available. Again, there is a Shalaz and Ratvaz who says that after the Chorban of the Beis Emikdash, the Chilazon stopped coming up, which I know a lot of people were complaining. Well, if you don't say it was the Romans, then how would it get lost? Well, it's a fish that comes up once every 70 years. If Hashem made it stop coming up or... If you don't like that, say nature change. It's it's migration patterns, or it's uh, or it's uh, you know it's hibernation patterns, yeah, or whatever the term people, is.
0: If you're one of those people who don't like Hashem being involved in, uh, right? So in you want to give it a
1: scientific explanation. It's behavior change to the point where it's not a common fish. It wasn't the Murex, which was around for the next a thousand years in high production, uh, and that's how it got lost. So now oh, that, sorry, one, yeah.
0: one last point that to add on to what we said last time. Talking about the location of the Murex, we mentioned how the Murex wasn't just found between Haifa and Sor, but is actually found all along the coast, all the way down to South America, all over the place. It's not just that. Also the Gemara says that the Chilazon was found between Haifa and Sor, but it also mentions in two separate locations, uh two separate places, that the location where the chil where the Txiles was produced, in other words, the dying Factories of the tzitzis of of right of the tzedes of the tzedes was found in Luz, yeah. not between Chaif and Sor
1: Now Luz, there's actually two Luz's in the Chumash. One is right near Shalayim. It's what, what the former Bethel uh, became, or it was formerly Luz, then it became Bethel, uh, uh, base Kel. That uh, I think Avram was the one who switched the name. Uh, I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me. But it is embracious that they switched the name. But the other one is in a it's it's in mentioned in Shifdim that a person went from the Luz in Beth. Beth Bethkel or Bethel, and went to a different Luz and established a town Luz there. It seems from the Gamaran and Saita that that Luz is the one where they died the Treles. Um, the common consensus among historians is that Luz is actually a city in Hasbaya, Lebanon, which is nowhere near the coast. Um, it's actually on the other side of the country of Lebanon, and therefore, and there is known obviously no. Murex factories, dine factories, in that place. So when people use Murex dine factories as a support for the identification of Murex as a Chilazan, they should just be aware the Gemara does not say that the Chilazan was produced on the coast. It actually says the Chilazan was produced in Luz, which is nowhere near that area.
0: Right, so not only does the Gemara tell us the Chilazan is found in one particular location and the Murex is found in a ton of locations, the Gemara also tells us that the the Chilazan was produced in a certain location and the Murex was historically not known to be produced there and was historically famous for being produced in a different location.
1: All right, well, enough boring you with all this history and academia. We're bored of it already. We want to get to the Gemara sources and see if the Gemara descriptions of the Chilazan of its species, of what type of animal it is, of its its behavior, of its appearance. Does that match the Murex trunculus? We know what a Murex trunculus looks like. You can just Google it and just look at all the images. We now want to know what the Chilazan looks like. Because again, up until this point, I think we've pretty conclusively shown that the Murex could not be the Chilazan from an historical standpoint.
0: So just to do a quick recap, we've seen that the Murex produced purple not blue, and this is based on the works of Pliny the Elder by Truvius in his book on architecture, Josephus, Philo, pretty much every historian slash um, encyclopedia maker who mentions the production of color, mentions purple as coming from the shellfish and blue as not coming from the shellfish or the murex. Um, we also saw that although the murex was decreed into non-use, the uh, trellis was said to have been lost. The Chilazon was lost. This is said by every single source available, not a single mention of a decree, which is incredibly weird if the reason we lost it was because of a decree. Additionally, the Murex was in use and used by Jews from the year, from the 5th century until at least the 13th century, and that's, that's just things that we have sources for. It's very likely they were using it the entire time. We also find that the Gemara, in all its talks of the Chilazon, only mentions its ability to produce trelas and never mentions its ability to produce argamon, while the Murex was more more famously used for purple, even if it was
1: able to produce a blue. If not exclusively famous for producing purple.
0: Right. So, go back to episode one to get more details on all of those questions and a few more. But now we're going to get into the descriptions from the Gemara and how those match up with the Murex.
1: Okay, so a lot of people are hanging their hat on this idea that, well... We know the chilazon was a snail. That, for sure, it's a snail or some creature with a shell. That's not a question. And that's really where a lot of the pinning to the murics came from is this connection of the chilazon being a snail to the murics. In fact, the word Khilazon in Arabic means snail. And not
0: just in Arabic, it's also modern Hebrew where it means it. And almost all of the languages that are in that area use chilazon to refer to
1: a snail. So, it, now, again, just the fact that Khilazon is a snail doesn't refute everything we've said till now. It can be a snail and be a completely different snail, and the murex would still not be the chilazon.
0: But as nothing else has matched the description of the chilazon to the murex, it should come as no surprise to you that the species is also
1: probably incorrect, and the chilazon is probably not a snail. So let's go through a couple of the proofs that were brought to say that the chilazon is a snail, or at the very least has a shell. So the medrash in Dvarmrabba Mrava Kisavai, uh, medrash 11, or Yid Alef, also in Psik Kahana, 1121, and in, in several other places, describes the Chilazon as having a shell that grows with it. So it, the B'nai Yisrael, it was describing their clothing, how it wouldn't wear out. And a muscle for that was, well, look at the Chilazon, that as it grows, its shell, its clothing grows with it. So you see the Chilazon has some sort of shell that grows with it. Well, the first thing you think of when you think of an animal with some sort of clothing that grows with it is a shell in fact rashi on that pasuk where that medrash is going on that their clothes did not wear out rashi brings um brings this medrash and instead of the word chilazon uses the word chomet which is a word for snails rashi says just like the chomet just like the snail whose clothes or its shell grows with it so it seems like it's a clear identification of the chilazon as a snail right not just rashi also the
0: rambam on the mission in kalim which is describing a certain vessel having a certain shape at the end of it. Um, and that shape is described in the Mishnah as being the shape of a chilazon. And the Raman says, what shape is that? Well, that's the shape of a snail, of a tavlul.
1: So now, he, sorry, he actually says it's tzedeth, which is a snail. So while this seems like very positive news for the Mirax crowd, right? The chilazon is being described as a snail. But in fact, if one thinks about it a little bit more... This actually might work against the identification of the chilazon as a snail. See, we're going to look at the, the the descriptions of the chilazon as it relates to treles, the chilazon relating to treles, and see how those very same Rishinim, who know the word snail and use it freely when it comes to other terms that use chilazon, we will see how they use it when it comes to The chilazon of the treilas. Just to clarify, we
0: mentioned that the word chilazon means snail. And therefore, when it's used in the Gemara context, whenever the Gemara wants to talk about a snail, it will use the word chilazon. But that does not mean every time it says chilazon, it means the same kind of thing. We have two contexts in which the Gemara will use the word chilazon. There's any time it wants to talk about a snail, and there's when it wants to talk about the source of the treilas. Now, it's possible that that chilazon is also a snail, but they are not the same word.
1: And now we're going to prove that that is true. So the first place one would look when he's looking for translations of words is the Sefer the Arach. Now this was a Rishon who's widely quoted by other Rishonim, who wrote, he lived in the 11th century, and he wrote a a dictionary of sorts or an encyclopedia of all the words, a collection of all the words that are found in the Gemara um, with an explanation of what is that word and the context that it's found in the Gemara. So he has a couple entries for Chilazan actually. So in one he quotes
0: the mission in Kalim where we saw that the Rambam translate the Chilazon as a tzedef, as a snail. And he too says that this is a Chilazon shumukov which has a shell. Um, another entry for Chilazon is the Gemara in B'chairis, which is talking about different moment. And we're going to get more into this Gemara in a little bit, but it's talking about different wounds that a person could have. And one of them is shaped, the Mishnah says that the wound is shaped like a Chilazon. So there he brings down the Chilazon as two separate shapes. He says either it's shaped like a nachash, like a snake, which would be um, long, skinny, not snailish. And then he says, Yesh ben where some people explain, that
1: the is a snail. And this would be the general translation of chilazon. So there's your first crack in the immediate identification of chilazon with snail. Now, there's no argument that the medrash, which says their clothes grew with them, like the chilazon, whose shell grows with it, or or clothing grows with it, there's no question that's a snail. But here already, in a different context, where the Gemara uses the term chilazon, the Arich is not sure, is it the snail, or is it some sort of creature that's shaped like a snake? Now, everybody who knows snails and understands the word snake, if the word means what it means, does not look like a snail, and is not a snail. But here's where it gets interesting, is the next entry for chilazon brings down
0: all the Gemars which are explicitly talking about the creation of t'chelas. So the chilazon hat tchelas And there... And this is going to be a common theme throughout the Rishonim. He makes not a single mention of it being a snail. All he does is quote the Gemara um which describes it as being domeladag, and uh, similar to a fish, and all the descriptions given there. But not a mention of a snail by the Chilazan, which is talking about the Tcheles.
1: So there already, there's a little bit of doubt, because again, the Arach seems to say the Chilazan doesn't necessarily have to be a snail, because... In the in the gmar uh, he's willing to say maybe it's snake-like or in a snake-like shape, not like a Tavlul, not like a snail, and then when he goes to the chalazon ataylas, all of a sudden he forgets the term snail and doesn't use it at all. And as Mati said, this is going to be a common theme.
0: To those of you who are involved in the area of studying the chalazon, you might have a bell be ringing about this snake shaped. And that would be because Rashi uses the word to describe the Chilazim. And this is in a few different places. Rashi in Sanhedrin on Sadi Aleph and Aleph says Tilas, It's a a worm or a basically a worm that comes out from the sea, once in seventy years, bit and use its blood to uh, to die Now here Rashi is specifically saying this Khilazon that I'm talking about is the Khilazon hat And there, how does he describe it? Not as a snail, but as a telaz. But Mati, isn't a snail just a worm in a shell? But you know what a better description of a worm in a shell is? The word snail. And Rashi does not shy away <laughs> from using the word snail when describing a snail. So look, look at let's look at some Gemaras where the word Khilazon is used when it's not talking about Khilazon hat And we'll see how Rashi describes a the Khilazon there. So there's a Gemara in a Vaidah Zara on Chafches Ahmed where it's describing using the chilazon as a medicine. And it says the Chilazon, chilzona, chilzoni. And Rashi says, what is that chilazon talking about? Limots bilaz, min chilazon. It's a snail, which is a type of chilazon, in other words, a type of snail. So there again, when it's not talking about chilas, Rashi has no problem using the word snail. And as we saw by the Medrish when it's talking about this chilazon, which has a shell grown with it, again, no mention
1: of chilas, Rashi again says, oh, that's a snail. Now, interestingly enough there, he actually changes the wording because the Medrash uses the term chilazon. Rashi writes the term chomet. Now, if chilazon always meant snail, why would Rashi need to use a different term for snail? Just say chilazon, that's the snail. Unless the chilazon could mean different things and Rashi has to come in and say, by the way, this chilazon is the snail one. This chilazon is the limut, the snail one. And it's not just one time that Rashi, in describing the chilazon hat chelas,
0: that he uses the term uh, telas, or doesn't use the word snail. It's every single time the Gemara is talking about the chilazon at Rashi does not say snail. And pretty consistently, when it's talking about the Khilazon, not in terms of "taylas," Rashi uses the word chiles, uh, snail. So let's give a few more examples. Rashi in the Gemara in Shabbos on 74b, where Rashi, again, on the word chilazon, he says, to Color the chelus with its blood. Vuhu kimin? Does he say snail? No. Vukmin dug katan. It's like a small fish. Now we mentioned that gemar in Bicharis, which is talking about a certain wound. So that comes from a, which is shaped like a chilaz, and so that comes from the pasuk in Vayikra chaf aleph, pasuk chaf, where the pasuk describes a wound. Um, it talks about a certain wound, and Rashi over there says that that wound is in the shape of a tylos, and therefore Chazal gave the wound the nickname. Chilazon,
1: because chilazon is a tailas. Now, if it was shaped like a worm, and chilazon means snail, that would be one of the worst nicknames possible. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's call it the snail because it's shaped like a worm. Why don't you just call it the worm because it's shaped like a worm? A worm is a snail without a shell. You have to understand. Oh, so so you have to think snail with a shell, then subtract a shell, and then you get a worm. Why not just say snail if it's a snail? (laughs) Obviously, the chilazon might not only mean snail. Now, unsurprisingly, there's a gemara in Shabbos, which talks about... It says somebody traps a snail, and one who crushes it... Sorry, one who traps the chilazon, and one who crushes it, is only chayv one. Is only of one chatas. Now, Rashi over there translates the term chayv, which generally means to crack, as squeezing the blood out of the chilazon. Now, why would he say squeezing the blood out? Why not just say cracking the shell, which would be the most obvious translation... If it's a snail, well, I think as we've seen a pattern, Rashi might not hold that the Chilazon's a snail, even though Rashi translates Khilazon in the Mishnah, sorry, in the Medrash, as a snail, because again, I think we're seeing that Chilazon might mean two things.
0: Now, we mentioned the Mishnah in Kalim, which describes the vessel as having a Khilazon shape at the end of it, and we said that the Aruch brings down two different, no, sorry, the Aruch says that it's a snail, it's shaped like a snail. Now, the Rashi Mishans over there says... That that barzel, that piece of iron that's at the end of the vessel, also can chilazon, is made in the shape of the chilazon, which is Dug Shabiyam Shemidamit trelas. It's a dug, a fish in this in the sea, that from its blood you color trelas. So again, he's talking about trelas, and he says it's a fish. Then he says, Uba I but the arch says that it's actually a snail. In other words, we're not talking about the chilazon which you do the trelas where the where the aruch never says it's a snail. But here we're talking about a snail. Echilazon is a snail, not Echilazon HaTcheles.
1: Now, I've seen people mistranslate this and go, well, he's bringing in the Arach to explain what Echilazon HaTcheles is. He's clearly not. Because what the term you would use is ba Ba'arach. And similarly, in the Arach, he says this. When you're giving a separate explanation, you would use the term uva Arach Perish, And in the Arach, it explains, meaning I say it's the Echilazon HaTcheles. That's why I say it's a dog Shebiyam. In the Arach, it explains, it's a snail. Because again... The second use of the term chilazon. So this is
0: a nice case study because you see that there are two pshatim. One is a snail, and one is a min dug or a tyllas. And you can look at all the mifarshim over there and see anybody who calls it a min dug will link it with tyllas. Anybody who calls it a snail will not mention tyllas once. Now that's not a coincidence because you will find this through every single rishon in every single topic you find that when he mentions tyllas, the word snail will not appear. Now let's go to the Rambam. The Rambam, when he's describing the Chilazon HaTchelas, we already saw that he calls, in this Mishnah, he says the snail. But how does he describe in a Mishnah Torah? How does he describe? He describes it as a fish. He says, the, the Gemara
1: says, and the Rambam says it's actually a fish. And again, there he's talking about Chilaz. In the Mishnah Kalem, he's talking about a different Chilazon because he doesn't mention Chilaz. Now we can actually prove that the Rambam does not hold that the Chilazon HaTchelas is a snail.
0: Because if you look in the Rambam in Machelas in Parak Beis, Mishnah Zayin, and this is a little bit complicated, you're going to want to look up these sources for yourself. There he defines a snail as one of the shuratzim, one of the uh, creepy crawlies, one of the non-kosher uh, animals. Then, in Halacha Yud Beis, in that same Parak, he says that a shuratz is not a fish. And the rule is that kol she'enai b'tsuras adagim, if it's not in the shape or form of a fish, it's not a dactame or a dactar. it's not a fish. So according to the Rambam, a snail, which does not have the form of fish, cannot be described as a fish, which is why he includes it as a sharet earlier in that chapter. Now interestingly, a question is asked on the Rambam. The Gemara only tells us that it's daimlodug, it's similar to a fish, which actually sounds like it's not a fish. So why would the Rambam call it a fish? According to this, we understand it perfectly. The Rambam has a rule that anything which is in the form of a fish is considered a fish. Now because the Gemara says it's daimeladag, dog which Rashi says it's, it's it's form is like a fish a bryasi dog that its form is like a fish according to the Rambam's rule this can be perfectly described as being a fish because its form is a fish and oh. as we just said a snail does not have
1: the form of a fish to be described as a fish he's actually quite explicit that a snail is a sharet because it doesn't have the form of a fish, not a fish Tame or a fish Tahar.
0: Although it seems pretty obvious from all these sources that the Chilazon was in fact not a snail, perhaps the most explicit and obvious reference to this idea that there are two ways the Gemara uses the word Chilazon, one as a snail and one as a Chilazmat chelas non snail, is the Yad Ram and the Gemara and Sanhedrin. So the Gemara and Sanhedrin is talking about a it says that there's a chelazan, which appears in a mountain after rain. It doesn't really matter the context of the Gemara. And the Yad Ram wants to know, well, what chelazan are we talking about? We're talking about the chelazan t'cheles, or a snail. So here, we're going to read you the Yad Ram. Some people say that this Khilazon that we're talking about is a as a worm, that goes out from the ocean once in 70 years, and you use its blood to color t'cheles. Again, color t'cheles, Khilazon is a t'cheles wa in an but he says that it doesn't appear to be true bin yanenu that in this case we're talking about that khilazon dimistavra hay khilazon lafhtarin ga vetrailsu mikampe it seems that this khilazon is not the one that we use in context of trails ella mistavra rather it makes sense the hay khilazon dakha lafhtarin ga vetrailsu ella mina achrena rather it's a separate min it's not the one by trails it's a separate um species Maybe it's a thing that's called in Arabic a snail. So, wow. he can't get much more explicit than that. The Chilazna T'chilas is not what we call in Arabic a And if you say, I've heard some people say, and when I presented this argument, somebody responded by saying, well, the Rishonim, they didn't really have the Khilazon so so they wouldn't really, you know, how would they even know? But we know somehow better than them. Why? Because our proof is that, well, what do you mean? The Gemara used the word Khilazon, which means snail. The Rishonim knew that the word Chilazin meant snail, and yet they're still saying what they say. So what information do we have linguistically over the Rishonim
1: to say that the word is referring specifically to snail and nothing else? And as we proved in lap- last episode, it's not like the Rishonim didn't have the Murex around and knew what it did, and yet had no problem still identifying the Chilazin not as a snail. So one of the biggest uh, linchpins of the Murex as the Chilazin is it a snail. In episode one, we showed you how historically the Murex cannot be the Chilazin. Episode 2, we started out by showing you that it's not even a snail. But let's pretend it was a snail. We'll humor you. Maybe it's a snail. Let's look at the description in Menachis of the It lists several characteristics of the We'll go through it and we'll see if those match the reality we know of the Murex. Because if this doesn't match up, then we're really in a bind. Historically, not possible. Not even a snail. And the description of what it is doesn't match the murics, even if it was a snail. <laughs> so this is in the Gemara, Menachas Memdal and Menalef. And it says,
0: Taner The rabbi's taught in a b'raise. A zehu gufay daim aliyam, hu dug daim aladag, shana, huvidamay tzayv and t'chelas l'fikach damikarm. This chilazan, its body is similar to the sea. It looks like a fish, or its form is that of a fish. It comes up from the sea once in 70 years, and with its blood, we color the trellas.
1: Therefore, it is expensive. Now, I just want to point out before we get into this. This brysa is trying to describe very particular characteristics of the chilazan, right? It's gufoy demiliam, it's body similar to the sea, it's forms like a fish, comes up once every 70 years, we color trellas with it. The murix, whatever if you want to ignore what we said in episode number one, the Murex at the time of the Gemara was being used in mass in Israel to produce all of purple. Do you not think there's a better way to identify this snail than with these vague descriptions in brisa? Just say, it's the freaking Murex. Just go to Haifa. They have a whole industry of this thing. Like, do you see any Brysas talking about, like, the cow? Go, the cow, this is the four-legged animal that sometimes has dots, comes out of the bush once every couple months, and eats grass. No, no, you par, everybody knows what that is. It's an animal everybody's used to. The Murex, everybody knew what it was.
0: I just want to say that that there is a corresponding uh, paragraph in Masech which corresponds to this Brysa. It goes, chilazon. Lamahu daima, what is the comparable to? Briyasa daima again, it's comparable to a fish. V'gufai daima its body is the color of the sky. Ella l'shivim shanim, it comes up every seven years. therefore, its value is expensive. So we're going to be using both of these uh, to describe the and see how the murex fits. So let's break it up by parts. So the first part was gufai daima and Rashi says maras gufai. So its body, or the appearance of its body, looks like the sea. Now let's just describe the murex. The murex has a white shell with red, orange bands, though it is commonly covered in greener brown algae.
1: The snail's flesh is white. Now, if you don't believe us, just again Google murex trunculus. Try to avoid all the pictures that come from a trailer's website because I don't know if they spray-painted them blue or not, but that's certainly not what your average Murex they looks had, like. They had tremendous
0: luck with their fishing. Every, <laughs> yeah. every single time they brought up a Murex, it came out either the perfect color of blue, if that's their argument, or the perfect color of the seabed, if that's their
1: argument, depending on what their argument is. But but if you do your own search and just like go, go to just to the secular sources who don't have a, a dog in this fight or a Murex in this fight, and you'll see the, the, the way the Murex looks – it has it's it's a white shell, sometimes a beige shell. Uh, sometimes has these red orange bands. Um, if when you pick it out from the sea, some of them or even most of them are covered in green or brown algae because again they're on the bottom of the sea. The snail's flesh is white. Uh, if you looked at it and somebody said, "Hey, this thing looks like the sea," you'd be like, ah, "I don't think so." <laughs> so they have basically two
0: responses to this. The first is that well, basically some of them are blue, bluish, purplish. Sometimes, um, they try to over exaggerate based on Uh, Their own personal experience, how often it comes up, this color. It's incredibly rare for it to come up this color. Um, So that's one of their answers, which I I just don't find satisfactory. If you do, you could. Um, Their other answer is that it's uh, because it's on the seabed, it gets covered in all this algae, which makes it look like the seabed. And maybe when the uh, when the Brysis says it's domiliam, when it says it's similar to the sea, it actually means the seabed. Now this is ridiculous for a few reasons. First of all. Uh, being as we have the color of the treles also compared to the yam, and that clearly means a blue, it's very difficult to say that when all of a sudden we're saying sea over here, it means seabed. That's first of all. Second of all, just when we say it looks like the sea, to say it means a seabed. Is a stretch, and third of all, and most importantly, we have this corresponding Mishnah in Masechtas which says instead of Doma Lit Yam, it says Doma L'Arkia, the sky. And unfortunately, the sky doesn't have a sky bed, which is a, a brownish, grayish color.
1: <laughs> yeah, an ugly algae color. <laughs> but but I think also to to claim that when it said its body is this color, it meant the algae, which when you scrape it off, scrapes off because it's an external organism that's leeching on to the shell of the murex. I think is also ridiculous. You wouldn't describe a cat that was dipped in red paint as a red cat.
0: Although when I when I use that example when talking to a pro pro murex person, he actually said he would describe a cat um, that got dipped in paint for a day as a red cat. Um, also, I mean, you could just listen to the Rambam in mean, Hilchas Tzitzis, Parik Beis, Halacha Beis where he describes a chilazan. He says, who dug, Again, another proof that this is talking about blue and not talking about a seabed, which is just, it's just such a dishonest stretch. Um, so you can Google the Murex and, again, see if you would ever in your wildest dreams describe that as being the color of chelazin, oh, the color of the blue sky, color. Yeah. or the color of the sea. Okay, so that's the first description. So, <laughs> fails on number one. Let's go to number two. dug. It looks like a fish. Now, just Google the Murex again we don't even have to get into this it doesn't look like a fish they try to say no if you take a certain picture of the mjurks and you turn it sideways <laughs> it looks kind of like a cer- if you look at finding the the you know the animated finding nemo and you turn that in a certain angle it actually does look exactly like a fish and this is exactly what Chazal were describing you just
1: have to be honest. Just look at a fish. Look, see if you describe the Murex as a fish. You so, wouldn't. It's also funny. I was reading uh, one of the anti-Murex uh, papers, and, and he said basically – he said if you look through the Murex literature, this new answer to answer up how it looks like a fish when it really doesn't, uh, this answer that the shape of the shell might look like a fish is something that came way later, like 30 years later into this – the Murex development as the Glazon. Now – If the shell actually looked like a fish, it wouldn't take 30 years of looking at the shells to come up with this answer. You would identify it. I I even did a test. I just went to my wife um, and some other random people, and I just said, hey, what does this shape remind you of? Uh, Guess what? None of them said fish. Uh, So, So again, look it up yourself and just avoid all com (laughs) pictures or Into the Blue or Weird Trailes or else you're not from. Avoid all those websites. Just go to any secular source. Look at the Murex and go – does that look like a fish? And is that a good way to describe something that everybody knows about the murex trunculus?
0: So it's the wrong species, it's the wrong color, and it doesn't look like a fish. But let's pretend it was actually a, the was a snail. Let's pretend the murex actually was blue. Let's, let's pretend, pretend it did get lost. The murex does look like a fish. Uh, let's go to the next description. <laughs> so it comes up once in seven years. You die from it. Therefore, it's it was very expensive. This lesson was very expensive. Now, unfortunately the Murex does not come up once in seven years or even once in seventy seven years, which is a, a different variant of this uh of this Bryce, which lists seven years as the amount of years. Um the Murex doesn't do any of those. Somebody tried to suggest that maybe they actually got this from Pliny who says that the Murex lives for seven years. Um that's just not what the Brace says though, so so I'm I'm not gonna take that one. Yeah, well I-
1: again the Murix is found year round uh, there are easier times to catch it within the year. With it's it, seasonal, yeah. It comes see- up by the spring usually. But it's always in the same place. And again, it's not rare. So that, that gemara, you want to take it comes up one in 70 years, not literal, fine. But the gemara, that line, it comes up once in 70 years and therefore it's expensive, is clearly saying the rarity of the fish makes the fish expensive. In fact, this is explicit in the uh Tzitzes. The Misachat Tzitzes says... That it doesn't mention trelas, it mentions the and says the comes up once every 70 years, and therefore it's an expensive item. The murex does not come up once every 70 years. It's always there, and there's millions and millions of them. A single murex is not expensive at all. The clothing produced in the murex is expensive, but not because the murex is rare, but rather because it takes so many murexes to make dye. An ex- the process is tedious, therefore the final product is expensive. If I was describing an expensive item because of the process, I wouldn't say it's expensive because it's rare. It's not rare at all. There were millions and millions of murex shells found at the dying sites that they found. Who knows how many more there were? It is not rare. It's always found. It's expensive because the process to produce the dye is tedious. That's not what the Gemara is saying. And again, the Gemara said, especially in and the way Rashi explains it, is that the Chilazon was expensive because it's rare. The murex is not expensive and it's not rare.
0: And sorry, our entire thing of it coming up uh, once in 70 years and saying, you know, the Murex comes up seasonally, whatever. When we say coming up, we mean going up to the mountains. There's a few different Gemaras which mention that the Khilazon goes up to the mountain. Uh, Rashi in Megillah says, chilazon I min yam leharim. Uh, we mentioned a medrash with Rabyisi, We mentioned this in part one where Rabbi Yaisi asks, see somebody, says, you know, what's your profession? He says, I trapped chilazon out. I trap the Khilazon, And he says, oh, is it found? And he goes, yeah, it's found in the mountains again. The Gemara and Sanhedrin, which we mentioned, which Yad, Ra, Yad Rama says is not talking about the Chilazan at chelas, but other Mefarshim explained it is talking about the Chilazan at chelas, also says that this Chilazan is found in the mountains. Does the Murix go to the mountains? No, it doesn't. So again, the Murix fails yet another description given by the Gemara.
1: Now, to this problem, some people want to quote this Ratvaz. The, the Ratvaz says that this going up once every 70 years of Chilazan was actually a miracle, and it stopped at the destruction of the Besamekdash. So they say, well, the reason why we don't find the Murex going up every 70 years is because the Besamekdash was destroyed and it stopped going up. So first of all, the Murex industry was going through the okay, through the Khurban Bayasheni, and there's no record in the ancients of it only coming up once every 70 years, even during that period. So that wouldn't work historically. But I think more importantly is, what would be the point of it going up once every 70 years if it's found on the shore in abundance? The whole idea of it comes up once every 70 years is the reason why it's expensive because it's rare. Even if it stopped doing that, what, we got better after the horbun Now that it stopped coming up, now it's just found on the shore? That's a greater miracle if it never was found on the shore. The murex was always found on the shore.
0: <laughs> right. It's so rare because it's always on a shoreline, but once in
1: 70 years, it goes to the mountains and you have to climb the mountains to yeah. get it. <laughs> it's expensive because you can get it on the shoreline, but once every 70 years, you've got to climb a mountain to get it.
0: This also doesn't help with the fact that
1: the Gemara says that
0: the chilazim itself was expensive because of that, and the murex was not. So Rav Usher Weiss in his Shalos and Chuva's Minchas Usher, he writes in a very, very nice Lashon, and uh, this will be a nice recap. He says, the murex was not a fish, was not similar to fish. Was not even similar to a worm. It did not have the appearance of the sea, and its blood was not black. That's one of the descriptions given by the Rambam that his blood is black. This snail, the Murex, also doesn't come up once in 70 years. It comes out that all of the descriptions that we find in the Gemara and at the Rambam, not even one of them fit the Murex. He says, and I see people trying to be dychik, trying to push off this and say, no, the fish means a snail. If you kind of turn it sideways, looks like a fish. And the color is talking about... And he says, it's as if a baskol, it's as if a heavenly voice came out and said, the Murex is a chilazon. Now try to figure out what the Gemara meant based on this facts. In fact, I was, I was recently sent a video of one of the big Murex proponents who... Was convinced that the Murex was the Chilazim. Why? Not because of any of the Samanim, not because of any of the signs in the Gemara fit, because in fact he says that none of these signs in the Gemara fit. So how could it be the Murex? Because the Gemara was based in its description off what the fishermen from Zvulun told them the Chilazim looked like. And the fishermen from Zvulun were lying. In order to mislead people, because they did not want people to find the chilazon, because the chalas was very expensive, and they didn't want them to find the source, so they gave them a whole bunch of fake descriptions, and that's what the Gemara thought were real descriptions. That's how far these people will take it to try to justify the mureks being the chilazon.
1: Now, the whole old mureks reminds me of the uh, of the you know the famous joke where uh, the uh, the riddle is asked: What's green, sings, and hangs on a wall? A herring. Well, well but a herring is not on a wall, so. Put a nail in it, hanging on the wall. Well, a herring's not green, so paint it green. Well, a herring doesn't sing. Oh, so one simon off and you're not going to count it? You know, that's the mirics. It's like, well, it looks like a fish. Uh, well, I don't know, if you shave the, sh- the snail, the shell in, a, in the form of fish, it looks like a fish. Uh, it's not like the sea. Well, if you color it green, it, lo- it looks like, I mean, it's almost literally the joke. It's And as Mati said, it's like they cannot seem to, I mean, what is the problem with saying the chalazon is a unique fish we don't have anymore? Why does it have to be the Murex? Because the Murex was used in dyeing? Is that the only comparison? <laughs> like, everything else is dyeing? Because, well, the Murex produces a dye, so it must be the chilazon. Hi, but the dye wasn't blue. Well, it might have been blue even though we have no sources
0: <laughs> because you don't understand the ancients, when they say purple, they actually might mean blue. Okay, but how did it get lost? We said that the chilazon was lost and the Murex wasn't lost. No, well, the Murex wasn't lost, but there were decrees. And even though the Gemara doesn't mention decrees, when they say it got lost, they actually mean decrees. And when they say, when, right, and they don't mean the fish got lost because the
1: fish wasn't actually lost. Answer that. All right, well, why wouldn't the Gemara mention that this chelazin was used primarily to make purple? Oh, well, uh, it just wasn't important for the mitzvah, but the Gemara was talking about monetary value. Well, maybe the Jews didn't know about purple. Oh, it's an agata tell you. The, the Gemara, you have to understand. At, at this point, maybe the Gemara didn't know what it was talking and about. And I know it sounds like we're we're using straw men, but these are like literally the things we've been hearing over the past week from people who are proponents of the mirex. I mean, again, it, there's almost nothing that matches between the miracles and the chilazin. Outside of the fact that they both make a dye,
0: but they both make a dye, isn't that a suffik derisa? It's a mitzvah. It's <laughs> yeah. a mitzvah Isa.
1: And then when all else fails, suffolk derisa, you just have to wear <laughs> you have it. To be machmir. Um, but uh, I think conclusively we've shown that the murex is as poor of a candidate uh, for the chalazon as almost your, you know, blue Crayola crayon uh, coloring of your tzitzis. It doesn't match historically. It doesn't match any of the shemanim chazal.
0: There's not many sugyas which fail both the descriptions of the academics and the descriptions of Chazal. Usually, you'll at least get a bullseye in
1: one of them. So, next time somebody comes up to you and asks you, "Well, why aren't you wearing the blue on your tits? say, "We lost the chilazon, and no, the murex is not the chilazon." Ma'amavi Cohen, Cohen, and this has been Jewish Thought Flow.